You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Today, we have the incredible Casanova Brooks on the show. And when I say don't go anywhere, you need to hear his story. I mean it. (laughs) To give you a little insight, Casanova is an award-winning entrepreneur, author, high-energy keynote speaker, and real estate professional. Through his battles with adversity in many stages of his life, including stage four lymphoma cancer, to losing his mother, his job, and his home in a matter of a couple of weeks. Even with having very limited resources, Casanova learned to develop a bulletproof mindset to thrive and succeed in life and business. From producing 46 deals and $8 million in his first year in real estate to now owning multiple businesses, he has been an action taker in every sense of the word. Casanova now focuses on empowering others to focus on developing their mindset to become the best version of themselves to thrive in their own lives. On today's show, we chatted with Casanova about his story, where he started, everything he went through in his life, and how he continuously fought through adversity after adversity. And when you hear his story, you almost can't believe where he is today from where he came from. Today, he shares with us the mindset that gave him hope to continue on in the midst of challenges and grief, who he attributes his character development to, how to keep going when you feel unmotivated, and what advice he has on how to lead a life of impact over income. This episode is powerful and will leave you with tangible, practical advice for how to harness your mindset into one of growth and hope against all odds, as well as a really solid motivational kick in the pants to help you up-level yourself and your business. This episode is beyond powerful. So I will stop talking and let's get started. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast, Casanova. We are beyond excited to have you today. (laughs) Thank you. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here, and I'm excited to talk to you all as well. Yes, it's going to be so fun. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. Well, welcome to the show. I kind of already said that, but just... For our audience, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? We just, we want the whole juicy story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's it's funny of how I got here today. A lot of people, when they see me, whether it's social media or, you know, when they meet me in person, the first thing is I'm the same person offline as I am online. I just try to bring a lot of energy to everything. But um, to tell you a little bit about my background and my story. So I'm originally from South Side of Chicago. Today, I reside in Omaha, Nebraska. So it's, it's crazy because a lot of people are like, especially if you're not, if you've never been to Omaha, or especially if you uh, aren't even from the Midwest, like a lot of the questions that I always get is like, are are there black people in Nebraska? (laughs) And uh, yeah, there's actually black people in Nebraska. And uh, it's a funny story of how I got here, which we'll get into. But I'm originally from South Side of Chicago, uh, raised by a single mom. Uh, My dad was never in my life. Last I knew he is alive. And last I knew I had 13 brothers and sisters on my dad's side. But I'm the, yeah, I'm the only child on my mom's side. And so I really, 
really grew up as an only child. And I say that because I, I wanted to paint the picture that for me, I had so many different trial and errors in life because I never had a blueprint, mm-hmm. right? So I think why a lot of people resonate and connect with me and why I loved, you know, your show is because for me, I'm no stranger to adversity. I know, you know, you often ask, you know, a lot of the challenges that come with entrepreneurship or even just personal development, which I think I had a lot of those growing up. So to give you a little bit more of a background and, and deeper, you know, thought process on what did that look like. When I was eight, my two best friends who we did everything together, this is in Chicago, they came over and they're like, hey, we're about to go to the beach, which was a normal routine. I'm like, all right, yeah, let's, uh, like, that's cool. Well, last minute I decided I'm going to sit this one out. Come to find out a couple of hours later, they both wound up drowning off of the pier <gasps> at Lake Michigan. Oh, um, so gosh. why I wasn't right there with them doing everything that they were doing just like normal. I don't really know. I always say that, you know, God, my creator, someone had a bigger purpose for my life. And so I'm fortunate enough to obviously still be here. Then when I'm about 10 or 11 years old, like really when I'm going outside now, I'm starting to really notice that I'm inundated with drugs, gangs, violence, like just it's all around me. I'm not involving in it. But at the same time, it's you could see kind of where that path is going to go because it becomes my environment, my association. Right. So my grandma, who stepped in at an early age to be like the father figure in my life since my dad wasn't there and I'm very close to my grandma. She sees that as well. And so she makes the decision because co- a couple of my cousins had like moved to Sioux City, Iowa, and uh, which is crazy. Like how they found Sioux City, I don't really know. But my grandma makes the decision that one weekend we're going to go check out Sioux City. So we hop on a Greyhound, we go check it out. Next thing I know, less than two weeks later, all of my stuff is then being packed into a, a U-Haul. And my grandma makes the decision that she's going to move me from Chicago to Sioux City. So I don't know if you've ever been to Sioux City or know anything about it, but I go from big city Chicago, where only people who look like me, um, to now I'm going to Sioux City, which is a town of 80,000 people, cornfield, cattle, and almost (laughs) no one who looks like me. And I'm like, well, okay, well, what am I supposed to do here? (laughs) And uh, what it was is I always say there's a silver lining in everything. And the silver lining in that was it allowed me to really focus on building relationships and not growing up with an ignorant mindset. And that ignorant mindset being that just because you don't look like me means that you have to be against me and there's no way you can be with me in life. Mm. Right. And so that was a, a silver lining for me. And and I always kind of had that mindset. And to this day, I still keep that mindset that it, it's relationships over everything. Yeah. And so anyway, um, so I'm growing up in Sioux City. I'm pretty popular. I'm, I'm just a normal kid, though. There's nothing special about me at all. I'm, I'm playing basketball, football, dance squad, track, like just things are going well. And I find myself my sophomore year in high school, um, just walking through the hallways and I um, find myself having a hard time breathing. And so I told my buddies, I'm like, hey, I can't really breathe. And they're like, ah, it's probably just because, you know, basketball's just starting up. We're doing a lot of conditioning. Football got over and you left early. And then I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Well, I'm going home and I'm just taking naps. And my mom's like, hey, what's up? Like, this is unlike you. Why are you, you know? And I'm like, I don't really know. I'm just real tired. And she's like, okay, well, if it persists, you know, we're going to go to the doctor. So I'm like, okay. Now keep in mind, me as a child, I was never, ever sick. I always make the joke that I never had chicken pox, measles, coronavirus. Like, I was always... <laughs> always pretty healthy. And so when we were, my mom's like, we're going to go to the doctor. I'm like, okay, it's fine. Like my mindset on this was I would have, you know, hot nurse, sponge baths, ice cream, (laughs) video games. And then like, no matter what it was, I would be back the next day. So we go to the hospital. This is later on um, that night, like a couple days later. And they say, hey, you know what? Since it has anything to do with breathing, we're going to, you know, keep him a little bit longer, run some more tests. But they wound up coming in later on that night at like 11 p.m. And they say, hey, you know what? We actually have public transportation um, and we're going to 
ship you all to the other side of the state at the University of Iowa. And uh, because we think it might be a little bit more serious. And I just remember my mom like, well, what's more serious? Like explain to me. And then they're like, well, we think he might have cancer. And then wow. I just, my grandma's right there too. And she's like, whoa. And so at this time, I'm, I'm still not really understanding the C word. So I'm like, okay, well, what does that really mean? And so they, I find myself like six, seven hours later over at the University of Iowa and they run tests and they come back and they say, yeah, he has stage four lymphoma cancer wow. all throughout his body. If he would have waited just two more weeks, he could have died just naturally. Wow. And so they put an emergency port in my chest and it was connected to my jugular vein. And for the next two years, I experienced just about everything that any anyone else does when it comes to the C word with bone marrows and dyes and all chemotherapy and things like that. So it was obviously a really challenging time for me, you know, and, and just being a 15 year old boy that these next two years where it's supposed to be the time where you're somebody, right? Your junior, mm-hmm. your senior year, everything's supposed to be great. Whatever you're going to do in life, these are the two years where you could be the, the man or the woman, right? And so for me, that looked a lot different because I was tired, you know, friends were having parties, but I knew that I had to go get chemotherapy at the end of, you know, school. So I couldn't tell my friends that because, you know, I was always looked at as a victor and I was always, you know, kind of a, a good guy. But now I was being looked at as a, a victim, right? Mm-hmm. People like, oh, are you tired? Are you sick? And so I had to quickly figure out, you know, how to change that narrative. And that was, you know, me just, no, I'm good. I'm good. But I also had to change the story on like at the end of school when people were like, hey, we're about to go to this party. I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm I'm, I'm just going to go with my mom or I'm going to do whatever and not telling them that I had a two and a half hour chemotherapy session at the end of school. So it just yeah. kind of was what it was. And I figured out ways to be able to cope with all of that. Of course, being led by two strong women and my mom and my grandma uh, helped me in so much. And so then I obviously navigated that. Then fast forward where I probably went through my biggest storm in life. And uh, six and a half years ago, my wife and I, we decided I had a job opportunity. So we moved down here to Omaha and we decided we were going to, you know, at least see if Omaha would work because we were actually, before that, before I got this job opportunity, we were always going to move down to Kansas City, Missouri. And the reason being is because it was bigger, it was more urban. We had our son at the time. Now we have a daughter too, but we had our son. And so my thought was I would take him to the Chiefs games, the Royals games, just all these things, which, which would be great. And so I got this job opportunity in Omaha and uh, I was working for basically as a digital marketing consultant as a for- at a Fortune 500 company company here. And so it was great. Within eight months, I finished as number nine in the entire company out of like 450 inside salespeople. So it's on like the up and up for me. I'm like, okay, like I'm I'm figuring out what my path is in life. Keep in mind, I got no degree, no nothing. So I got this job and I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. So I'm breaking all these like records and and things like that for this inside sales. And um, then I, I... basically management positions start to come available. And I'm sure if anybody is listening to this right now and you're working a corporate life and you're seeing all these things about entrepreneurship and, you know, going off on your own and living a life by your design. Well, for me, I didn't really know exactly where I was going to go. I just knew my life was getting better. And so I seen management positions starting to come available and I tried to, you know, apply for those. And I'm telling my manager, my director, I'm like, hey, I want to try my hand at that. And they're like, oh, Casanova, you know, you're doing so great, but you haven't been here long long enough or, you know, this, just all these other excuses. And so that was the first time that I felt in the corporate world, I started to figure it out. And what figuring it out meant was everybody could tell you no, but it felt like nobody could tell you yes. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, I'm like, well, who makes the decision on this? And they're like, oh, well, it's not my decision. I'm like, okay. So what I did was I, I started going home and I was, I was studying and where was I studying? It was on YouTube University. 
right? And I was looking for <laughs> all of these different things of like, what can I do? What can I do? And I came across a real estate video. And a guy in the video says, you know, you got to find a way to be the Lord of your land. Why? Is because he or she who owns the land makes the rules. And I was like, oh man, that's good. And keep in mind, like my favorite game growing up was always Monopoly, right? You land on my <laughs> property, you got to pay me or you got to give me property. Like that was always my thing. And so I was like, oh man, this is going to be great. And uh, so then like I, I was, I kind of drug my feet a little bit with it. And my wife's like, you got to go get your license. Like you got to at least go talk to some people because otherwise you're going to be wondering what if. So I wound up going to talk to some people, shorten up the story. Within the next three months, I got my real estate license. So I'm like, okay, this is great. Well, the, the challenge with that became I couldn't build my real estate business if I was in a cubicle from nine to five, eight to five all day. So I was like, okay, so I need to go get an outside sales job. So I went and got an outside sales job and I was transitioning from that inside sales to outside sales so I could build up my real estate license. And uh, we had just put our first, this at the same time, we had just put our first house that my wife and I were going to live in under contract. And so we're like, okay, this is great. And then my mom and grandma called me up as well during the same period and says, hey, you know what? There's nothing left here in Sioux City for us. So we want to move down to Omaha to be closer to you, Julie, and CJ. And so I talked to Julie and my wife and she was like, all right, cool, let's do it. And so um, this was all happening within like a 30-day basically period. Wow. And And so I then... I'm, we moved my mom and grandma down here within a couple weeks. And within 24 hours of moving my mom down here, she winds up going to the hospital here in Omaha. Within one week's time, I lose my mom at that hospital. Oh my now, gosh. yeah, she had just turned 50. She looked really good, but she was battling esophageal cancer. Wow. And so you would have never been able to tell, though, is the reason why I say that, because nobody really knew. And so long story short, that that's what happens there. Well, I'm also, at this time, since I just got this job um, at this outside sales company, the way that they work is they make everyone go out to Rochester, New York to complete their training. And so when I got the call and my mom was gone, I was up in Rochester, New York. And I was like, oh my God. So I take the first flight back, like 4 a.m. flight. I handle all of the funeral arrangements and everything. And um, then a week later, my manager comes back and she says, hey, Casanova, I know you just went through a tough time, but we need you to go back out to Rochester to complete your training. And I'm like, with all due respect, I can't. Like my grandma, my wife, my son, they need me here. Like I can't leave them again. And she's like, I get it, but this is corporate. Like if you don't, like I got to let you go because you don't even have a territory or anything. And I'm like, man, okay, think, Casanova, think. And I'm like, okay, well, I just put this house under contract. I have this real estate license. If you would just give me three weeks so I can close in this home, I'll be able to let my grandma move in with me and I'll figure it all out. You'll never have to hear from me again. And so she thinks about it and she's like, okay, I got you. And I was super grateful for that because keep in mind, again, I didn't even have a territory. So essentially they're paying me for nothing. And she allows me to put in a three-week notice when normally it's like two weeks or even sooner. And so we're, we're doing that and we're, we're pressing up for that three weeks so we can close on the house. Well, two days prior to closing on the home, uh, underwriters come back. And I don't know if you've ever purchased a home, but anybody who has, they're, they're listening at this and they know that since this is post-2008, banks are very strict on this. Mm -hmm. So before you close on your home, they always go to re-verify employment if you have a job and you're not self-employed, which at the time I was not. And so they go to re-verify and what happens? They, by the time they get the information um, on 
because they wanted more information on my student loans. I don't know if I mentioned this part, but my student loans were in deferment and they wanted more information on my student loans. And by the time they got the information, it was the following Monday. So then what happens? They go to re-verify employment. And then the corporate company that I was working for, the outside sales company, they say, ah, as of last Friday, you know, three days ago, Casanova no longer works here. So, of course, they don't approve the loan. So all within a matter of two and a half to three weeks, I lose my mom, my job, and my home. I got no family, no friends, no church group, man. Brand new city, brand new state, no degree. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to do now? Keep in mind, my wife's not only supporting me financially because I got no job no more, but she's also supporting me emotionally because I just lost, you know, my mom. And so I'm like, man, okay. And I was going to go back and just get another W-2 job and, you know, start back from square one. But my wife's like, no, you got this real estate license. You've done nothing with it yet. You're either going to jump all in, you're going to make something shake, or you're going to always be wondering what if, and you know how that goes. And then I'm like, yeah. So fast forward within the next nine months, I did 46 deals, $8 million in volume. I got the rookie of the year here in in Nebraska for real estate. and, And since then, now we own multiple businesses, daycare centers and, and real estate and, and a lot of other things. But that's kind of the quick skinny trying to sum up, you know, three decades into 20 minutes. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start. Like, I, I literally, we're speechless. And I think everybody that's listening to this probably is speechless too. I'm also, I, this is not the most important thing about what you said, but $8 million in Omaha, Nebraska means you hustled your butt off. It's not like there's like $5 million houses just like chilling everywhere around in Omaha, Nebraska. (laughs) Yeah. If you can afford a $5 million house, you're most likely not going to spend that money in Omaha unless you got some really deep rooted ties here. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, I feel like there are so many different things off of that story that we could talk about, but I would really love to hear from you, Casanova, in that whole, your life story, because there's clearly so much, and I'm sure, you know, that's years and years of story, just very consolidated, so that I'm sure there's so much more that we could unpack, but overall, could we talk a little bit about the mindset that you have kind of cultivated or learned through all of those struggles and ups and downs and, you know, adversities, like what was the turning point for you? I I guess, was there one of those situations, you know, your friends drowning at a young age or getting cancer at a very young age or, you know, in that season of losing everything it felt like in one moment, like was one of those the turning point for you or something else where you kind of figured out a mindset of choosing to hope and overcome the adversity that was against you? Or do you want to talk maybe a little bit about the mindset that I guess came out of all of that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think when I when people ask me this, I think at, at the age of eight, um, that did really help to shape things. And the reason why I said that is because for me, I, I alluded to it a little bit earlier as, you know, when something like that tragic happens, you have an opportunity to really allow yourself to be painted as a victim or as mm-hmm. a superhero. Right. And mm-hmm. so for me, when I was eight, I was always, you know, I was a healthy kid. Like I never had anything wrong. I never broke bones or nothing. So then all of a sudden to instantly see that I go from, you know, hey, is he such a smart little kid and all of this to, oh, are you okay? From there, it really, I didn't like the feeling. 
right? I didn't like the feeling of feeling like, you know, uncertainty, of feeling anxiety, all those things. So I think that that helped me to develop a callus early on. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when at 15, I think that I really when people ask me how I was able to come through the cancer, like this is where I feel like for anyone who's listening, regardless if you're going through the storm or if uh, someone around you is going through the storm. Right. Your child, your mother, your your best friend, whoever it is. My mom and grandma did so much for my mentality when I was 15 years old. And I don't know, like, keep in mind, my parents never owned how my family never owned house, car, business, land nothing, right? So how they were paying these medical bills, how they were doing any of this stuff, I'm sure there was a lot of public assistance in there, but they never let me see them sweat. Wow. They never let me see them. You know, I can I can remember the mornings where I literally had to take 12, like 13 pills in the morning and before I would go to school and not knowing how that was going to make me feel and all these other things. But every single morning, they're right there and they're, they're trying to talk to me about, you know, why I got to take these vitamins and why I got to do this and why I got to do that. And it was and I'm sure that at the time when they would get me off to school or if they would see my my mentality, which was down they, I, I never saw them break down is what I'm saying, right? There was times where I remember, you know, and I don't know if you've ever seen, and it's a little bit more graphic, but when you have a port in your chest and they have to stick a needle in your chest to be able to pump in any type of chemicals or or dye and things like that to get that into your body, that's a, that's a very graphic sight. And I remember for me being 15, I hated it. I yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. hated it. But my mom was always right there as like in my defense and like, no, we need a new nurse or like, do you know what you're doing and all these other things. But I never saw her break down. And I couldn't imagine what you, you know, would go through as a 15 or watching your only child, your 15 year old son uh, go through something like this. Right. And it doesn't yeah. matter the age and it doesn't matter if it's a son or a daughter. Right. But it, it that was that was huge for me. And so for me, I think what I learned through all of that and how I developed the mindset, one of the things that I would tell myself early on is joy wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for a little bit of pain. Mm. Right. And and that's a very hard thing to swallow because no one wants to go through pain. Yeah. But you have to understand that you've already survived. This is what I would always think to myself. I've already survived a hundred percent of the days that I was challenged to the max. So there's no reason that I can't keep going. But what I always did to be able to always strive off of hope, right, and and, and not letting myself stay down in the, in the trenches was I always looked ahead to something that could make me smile. Mm-hmm. So it was something so minuscule. But when people ask me, like, what is my routine now or things like that, like, the, I don't really have a routine because there's so many things that I do on a daily basis to keep me inspired, just trying to keep that kid in, inside of me. But the one thing that I always do every Every single morning and how small it is, but how much of an impact it gives me is just make my bed, right? Mm -hmm. That's it. But it gives me a first win through the day, right? And that doesn't mean that the rest of my day is going to go perfect. But in the morning, I have to get up and I have to do something that is like, okay, what's that one thing that I could choose not to do? But I choose to do it anyway, and it makes me get a little bit of a feel good inside, Mm -hmm. right? And that's that make my bed thing. And so I learned that early on, and it's been so helpful for me. But going back to like, what are the things that I did to always think about hope? When I talk about, I was looking ahead, like 
on a Friday, or maybe it's Monday, right? And you know, by the time you get to like a sophomore in high school or something, you're kind of over school, but there's <laughs> always something that you can look forward to. Maybe it's that basketball game. Maybe it's that Friday night party. Maybe it's the football game. Maybe it's prom. Maybe it's um, whatever you have in the springtime. For It was something that I was always looking forward to and it was weekly. That mm. was how I would pull myself through. It was always something that could just be, man, but if this happens, this is going to be so good. And that's yeah. why I always was able to smile. And I would always move past the things that didn't work because we all, like one of the other things that I say in my myself, but I didn't get this this one from me, but uh, it actually came from a, a rap song by Meek Mill. Um, and if you've ever heard of Meek Mill or anybody listening, like I, that's one of the things that I always use, which is music to kind of stay motivated. But in mm-hmm. the song, he says, wins and losses, it comes with being bosses, right? And so that's so true. You're going to take so many L's throughout your life and you're going to take so many L's throughout your day even. And sometimes when like even Julie, my wife, she calls me and she's like, how's your morning going? And I'm like, I'm taking a whole bunch of little L's, right? But they're all, they're not necessarily losses. They're just lessons because if you would have did something different or the next time this happened, how will you respond to it? That's something that I've always just tried to focus on rather than focusing on the negativity because it's kind of like the law of attraction. And I don't want this to become any type of fluff or or like foo-foo or something like that. But <laughs> the law of attraction, I think, is real. If you tell yourself, it's like you whatever you attract to yourself. If you're like, man, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. You're looking for every reason why it does not work. And you're like, see, I told you so. Yeah. Right. But if you're always looking at like, there's going to be a silver lining out of this. Yeah. Something good is going to come out of this. I know it. Ooh, yeah. see? And that's what I always just try to do. I mean, we can always stay negative all day long, but the the times, the, the negativity, no one wants to be around it. So even if you are going to live in negativity, don't try to bring that out to the world because otherwise you'll find yourself lonely and negative, which is like a double-edged sword. Mm. And it feels like you'll like you you'll really drown that much faster. Mm, so good. Casanova, you, I'm so inspired by your mindset. And even just hearing you talk about your mom and grandma, like it makes me like want to, like I wish I could meet them just because the way that they the environment that you were born in in South Chicago and then just like hearing you speak now, just you know that like your mom and grandma are just such incredible women to like pour into you and to really like raise you into the man you are today. And I just, I'm just so in awe of that. And I think it's so inspiring because a lot of people don't have that positivity and hope, especially like in, in mundane life, but then especially when they have just crap after crap hit them like you have in your life. And I just, I'm just literally awestruck that you have that perspective and that you always like can look at something that's coming and, and like, be like, yes, I'm looking forward to this. Like even now, I think that's just so admirable. Um, And I think that kind of, that leads me into the next question. I think a lot of times in life, a lot of people like to blame their circumstances or their setbacks or or where they were born or wherever on why they're not successful or why they're not able to be successful. And I think th- your story is so powerful because it's like you overcame every single circumstance that was against you. And I'm just like, I'm like sitting here like, how? Like even, even hearing you like explain hope and like, I like, I'm just like, wow, you 
wow. I'm just in awe. But I guess the question out of this is, how did you, we talked about hoping, but what about motivation? Like, I'm thinking about the moment when you lost your house, your job, your mom, like what made you get up and actually have the motivation in that middle of grief to actually be like, no, I'm going to make this real estate thing happen. I'm going to go. Maybe you had to because obviously you lost your job, but I would love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, for sure. So I think we all have motivation in short term, right? So for me, it was with that motivation of short term. And the reason why I say that to give you a concept, this is something that I learned a couple of years ago. But when you talk about motivation, a lot of the times motivation comes with somebody dangling a carrot or, you know, that motivation could have been if I just get through this week, then I get to go to a party. If I get these grades, um, then I get to, you know, play on the basketball team or whatever it is. Right. But for me, I started out with motivation for sure. But and and I'll tap into that. I guess right now I started out with motivation, but the motivation for me was my family. And I think that we can all and even going back to when I said earlier, anybody can can resonate with this. And when I said my mom and grandma, understand that how they were anchors for me, even if you're not the one going through the storm right now, maybe it's your family dealing with coronavirus or somebody lost their job, you can be the anchor for that person. Right. Yeah. I'm only here today because of my family. I've always been raised by strong women. I mean, my cousins, first cousins, my wife, my mom, my grandma, like women have really made me who I am today, which is the reason why I'm so passionate about women and the reason why I love just like this this uh show, this tribe, this everything, right? You two women inspire me, and there's so many women that inspire me because I think that that's where a lot of foundation comes from, right? It's the mothers, the sisters, it's it's when I talk about even my son, my son, if you look at my Instagram, a lot of people see, um, I'm always showing my kids, but like CJ, uh, he's going into fourth grade. And so we play at a very, very high level basketball um, uh, academy, uh, I guess what you could say. And last year, he was the only kid in the academy that played up in, in uh, an entire year. So wow. he, he's he's very good little basketball player. A lot of people, I show his videos of him shooting and things like that, but he puts a lot of work in. Well, yeah. why do I tell that story? I tell that story because for me, I've always been hard on him, but not to the point where I've ever um, degraded him or anything like that. Like he's my absolute best friend and, and it's, it's amazing relationship that him and I have. But when we talk about this, like I'm probably not the person that at the end of the game, if he misses the three-point shot, I'm going to be like, hey, you know what? Wins and losses, it happens. Like, what are you going to do now to make it up, right, for this next game? His mom is going to do the exact same thing. But if he's still crying at night because he missed that championship game, who's most likely going to go get in bed with him, right? And let him cry himself to sleep and say, hey, it's okay, even though I was on your butt earlier today right? It's most likely his mom. And that's why I feel like women are so powerful. They're so selfless m most, right? And and they have such hearts of gold. And so that's my, my rant. I, I digress on that. Uh, <laughs> but that's that part that I want people to remember is even if you're not the one going through the storm, you could still be an anchor for someone else. So yeah. going back to your question about what was my motivation? My motivation was the fact that I knew my son was watching me. My favorite game, my favorite movie growing up, I don't know why I said game, but my favorite movie growing up was The Lion King. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you look at Simba was always watching Mufasa. And and no matter how cheesy that it is, there's a a a, a photo that I saw, and I'm sure you all have seen it, but um, it shows a big lion and it shows a, a cub. And it says, when I, when I think about giving up, 
I then remember who's watching me. Mm. Right. And that's so power. That was so powerful for me because it was at that time that when I could have quit, I knew that my son was watching every single day to, to, to how am I going to respond to this? Right. Any type of adversity. And so there's another thing and everything that I try to do, I try to tie it into something that's a perspective of how it can give me meaning in life. So to give you context around that, there about eight to 10 months ago, there was a meme that really started flying around social media, at least on my timelines. And it has said, if I didn't come from a wealthy family, a wealthy family must come from me. And I was like, oh, that's good. That's good. But mm-hmm. I really wanted to put it into a context that really meant something to my heart. And so what I said to myself was, if I didn't come from a loving father, a loving father must come from me. Right. Wow. And so that was everything that I do when I'm listening to music or if I hear a quote or something, I always try to put it into a perspective of how can this give me meaning in life? Because I know that at the end of the day, my time will come to an end, but I have two offspring. And and to give you a little bit of perspective on that, of why I'm so passionate about my children and everything is Julie and I, after this was what, 10 years ago now, but, or I think almost 11 years ago. But when we went back to the University of Iowa, when we first decided that we wanted to try to have kids, they told us that we had less than 1% chance of reproducing. Now, to wow. give you a perspective on that, the average couple that goes, if you ask your, your OBGYN or, or gynecologist, the average couple has about a 15% chance of conception any given night. Ours was less than 1%. It took us two years to have both of our kids and they both came naturally after two years and after we were pretty much out of all hope thinking that we had to adopt or we had to save up $30,000 per cycle to try to do like in vitro or something like that. And they both came naturally. No NICU, no extended stay in the hospital. Like, And they've both been healthy ever since. And so wow. they're both amazing little kids. And so that's why I've been so passionate. I use all of my experiences to really try to shut off my expertise. Right. And I think that everyone has a different experience in life. And if you own up to your story, you're going to be able to connect with someone else, which will give you the motivation in the short term. And the reason being is because you're going to get feedback, which will show you how impactful that your story has been for somebody else to just take one step. And that's what I've always tried to focus on. Like this right here is another storm. But understand that even if wherever you're living at right now, you could be living in, you know, Texas, right? Where you just went through the craziest ice storm and and (laughs) all these pipes that are frozen, right? But what happens? After winter always comes what? Spring. Spring. Or spring. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, most most of the time it's some type of spring, right? You're not yeah. going to jump right into 120 degree weather. Right. It's going to but but even through spring, right? You're coming out of winter and and you're like, "Oh man, I'm so glad to be done with that." But in spring, what does it bring a lot of? Rain, right? Mm, it brings yeah. a lot of rain depending on where you are, right? It brings it brings a little bit of cold, it brings rain. So what that means is you're not just going to jump into the best of times because you're going to still have some gloomy days. You're mm. going to still have some rainy days, right? But you know that still right around the corner, you're coming to summer. You just have to be able to weather the storm, right? You yeah. just have to be able to weather that season because something else that I learned and and I always tell myself this, right? Is pressure. Pressure does bust pipes. But at the same time, pressure creates beautiful diamonds. So for you, you have to say, am I a busted pipe or am I a beautiful diamond? 
And if you know that on the inside, you are a beautiful diamond, you do operate off of integrity. You do want to see other people win. You do have a mindset of abundance. You have to understand that sometimes you just might have some dirt on your crystals and that rain could wash you off to show how beautiful your crystals are. And that again, at the end of the day, you are a diamond. You are a gem. And that's what I always just try to think to myself, even in the short term where I'm thinking about motivation. It's like, listen, I'm going through a rainy season right now. This might be a rainy week, but at the same time, at the end of it, it's going to reveal my character, even through these times of adversity where it feels like nothing's going my way. Mm, That's so good. All right, entrepreneurs, let's face it. You're in a pickle. You're not attracting your ideal clients because your brand visuals are just meh at best and you're not showing up as the professional ready to make their life 500 times better. Do you honestly feel like your website just sucks? Like your branding feels like you created it in Microsoft's Paint? Anyone else remember Microsoft's Paint? Is that just me? (laughs) Okay. And your, your client experience just overall feels like it's seriously lacking and you just need a change right now. But let's be honest, you're not ready to drop 8K on a custom web and brand design. Well, don't worry, that's where we come in. Introducing the solution to all of your website struggles, the Heart Shop website templates. Now we spent hours designing these customizable, professional and conversion intense website templates with our incredible designer, Sarah Crook of Elizabeth Designs. They are so incredibly easy to use and customize with ShowIt's user-friendly interface. Yes, by the way, you can easily learn how to work with ShowIt even if you've never touched a website or any design platform before and you can change literally anything you want. No more being limited to squares on your website. It's a drag and drop system that is freaking easy and looks incredible. Oh, oh, you want more information? Cool, I got you. The templates come already SEO optimized with copy prompts from Lindsay and I included. Yeah, you don't just get nonsensical filler text. You get bomb education and prompts from Lindsay and I to help you wow your potential clients and crush your website copy. And we designed a variety of these in different styles so you can find the closest match and then tweak it to make it fully your own. If you're ready to save thousands of dollars and hours upon hours upon hours of your time and get clients flooding through your website, you need to check these out. So grab yours at theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. One more time, that's theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. Hey, photographers, this one's for you. Real talk, have you ever felt like your photos just look stale? Like they lacked the oomph that you're looking for? Ever feel like you're not just like fully capturing the life and energy and story of your clients, but you just don't know how to fix it? Well, we've got some magic sauce for you, my friend. Meet your new best friend, The Posing Miner, our online course for photographers showing you how to capture those jaw-dropping, authentic photos of your clients that will leave them in tears because you capture them in the moment so perfectly. Yes, it is packed full with six course episodes, over 232 minutes of video content, and three bonus PDFs. Lindsay and I take you out into the field with us. Like, no, literally, we we go into some fields and we walk you through step-by-step how to pose families, couples, portraits or seniors, wedding parties, and a wedding couple. So if you are ready to say bye-bye to brain farts in the middle of your photo sessions, awkward silences and weird freaking prom poses, uncomfortable clients and subpar images, the posing minor is your new best friend. To see more and to join in on the magic, go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash posing dash minor. One more time, theheartuniversity.com forward slash posing dash minor. 
Uh, okay. Casanova, you are so insanely wise. I just, everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, yes. It's so good. I would love to hear you maybe dive in a little bit on the the opposite side of motivation, I guess, because I think motivation can fail us slash is usually pretty temporary. Um, motivation is something that I think people confuse with something that needs to stick around all the time. Like you're going to wake up every single morning, super motivated always. And I don't personally believe that that's true. And I feel like from that, from what you were just saying, I think you might feel the same way. So for the person who's listening to this and is like, great, okay, what do I do when I wake up not feeling motivated that day? Like, what do I do when that motivation for that next season, you know, when I've when I reached prom and now I'm, you know, about to head into college and I'm just not feeling motivated for school anymore. I'm really tired. I'm really, you know, sick of studying or whatever the the situation is. When you feel that that motivation is kind of gone, what do you do? What would you say to that person who is struggling with feeling motivated? Do you have any words for that person? Yeah, for sure. So that was, we're definitely speaking the same language. When I talked about motivation and it being a short term, like a carrot dangling, absolutely. The opposite of that, I would say, is inspiration. Inspiration Mm. is something that sticks around more long term. When you're inspired by something, um, it's, it's, it's hitting a part of your soul that makes you come alive, is my opinion on this. So for me, when I look, there's a lot of times I'm not motivated, but I always go back to, you know, being a child. For a lot of people, the reason why they're not motivated is because at the age of 14, 15, for whatever reason, and maybe even a little bit earlier for some, for whatever reason, they, you, you stop being embraced for being a kid, right? You stop being embraced for having a dream, for having an imagination, right? People tell you, no, you got to go to college. You got to do this one thing. You got to get great at this one thing. But if you look at it, for anybody who has nieces, nephews, grandkids, whatever, when they're trying things out in the beginning, what are you going to say? You're going to tell them to keep trying, right? If they don't like dance, okay, well, we're going to try, you know, softball. If you don't like softball, let's try soccer. We want you to try all of these different things just so you can feel like in life, you're not trapped in to a box. Mm. We want you to find the thing that makes you come alive. What is your gift, right? What is the thing that comes easy for you and is harder for other people? But at the same time, what is the thing that people already say, wow, and thank you in the same sentence for? And we all have that. It doesn't have to be some like crazy, crazy skill set. It could be customer service. It could be you just loving to take pictures, right? I know that you ladies love photography, mm-hmm. right? So All of those things is what I always try to do when I'm not feeling motivated in the morning. There's one thing that I do first off. I always say, you can't... The the thing that I think why most people don't feel motivated is because at some point, you feel like this is not what you want to do long term, right? And so when you say like, I don't want to get up and make those phone calls, I don't... Because have you ever lost motivation in, in, in the... The, the story that you tell out of photography? Mm, I think that's a tricky question because I think there are times, yes, when you can lose the the passion, but most of the time it's because you're getting caught up in in focusing on the wrong things. 
Right. And so what I meant by that, that's why I asked about the story that mm. comes out of it. Because if you love the message and you love having somebody that if I have a family of four, right, your whole reason, just like you said, you might not have loved to go take the pictures or something else, but you love being the creative around it. Yeah. Because if I come to you and I say, hey, I just, we got a brand new baby. We're so excited about this. Like we would love for you to take our pictures because uh, we just feel like you're going to do an amazing job and no one can really capture this moment for us like you can. What would you say? Heck yeah. The, you're already, in, so you're like, yeah, yeah. No matter even how far you got to travel, right? Yeah. But the thing that I that I think, just like you said, where a lot of people get bogged up into these things is they do start focusing on the little things because for us, when we when we try to take on our skill set, it's just what I found. A lot of people, they want to be an entrepreneur, right? But what we start out at is we start out as a solopreneur, right? Mm -hmm. And we never graduate to an entrepreneur because we feel like we have to do everything. And we understand that at the end of the day, we did this because it was our passion, but we didn't want to necessarily own the job aspect of it. We wanted to get the results, but there was some other way that we could build a system to get those same results. But yet we have a scarcity mindset that we don't want to build a team or we don't want to build a system because we have to do everything ourselves. And so I think that's why a lot of people lose motivation is because it's all about me, 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 me. Well, what happens? At the end of the day, the most valuable asset that you have is your time. So you have to focus on leverage and you have to focus on abundance and making sure that everyone can win off of your talent rather than just being you, right? Prime example, Jeff Bezos, when we think about Amazon, he, he, he doesn't make any of the products. Amazon doesn't make any of these products, right? But they built their platform so so many people could eat off of it, mm -hmm. right? Facebook the same way, right? Like Facebook groups, all these, there's people making millions and millions of dollars off of Facebook. Apple's the same way. They didn't build out their own apps. What did they do? They created an app store to allow everybody else to be able to eat off of it. So a lot of the times why we lose this motivation is because there's so many day-to-day -day tasks that become mundane, like you said, and tedious, but we don't want to outsource it. We don't want to build a team because we feel like other people can't do it as good as us. Mm -hmm. we, we feel like we don't have the money. We're not willing to take that risk and we're not going to allow other people to eat off of what we would call our passion is mm -hmm. um, because we feel like it just has to be us. And if you can focus on the long term of saying, hey, this has got to be impact over income. And I want to bring on more people that can help me to put this message out there and I can help to change their lives. I think that's where, again, you hear the stories and the impact that you've made and that keeps you inspired to go the long term. But right now you're not hearing those stories because it's all about you and you're not allowing other people to eat off of what your passion and your skill set is. Yeah. I feel like we could go on an entire rabbit hole, another podcast on outsourcing and the importance of that. <laughs> um, I love what you said, Casanova, about impact over income. And I think so often, especially just speaking to the entrepreneurs listening, when we are starting off as solopreneurs, we are afraid to give away that passion because just like exactly like you said, we don't think anybody else can do it as good as us. And I think I, I think I just love what you said about impact over income. Um, just remembering that you can't go as far on your own as you can with bringing other people to your table to eat. Like, I love that analogy. So thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I have another question now, because you shared the part of your story of real estate, but your business has grown even from just being a realtor, correct? Like you're 
doing lots of things. You're teaching entrepreneurs, like speaking, you're just like out there killing it. And so my question is, how has your story affected the trajectory of your life and what you do now? Like, has it influenced why you speak and teach other, teach other entrepreneurs to dream and overcome adversity? Like, can you talk about, about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, uh, again, it was always relationships over revenue, right? Impact over income, whatever you want to say. I've always been big on that. And I understood that me having a story and me having, you know, the way that I could build relationships, all those things are great for me. But I knew that I wanted to build something that was bigger than me. And that's where my podcast, you know, Dream Nation and the brand that we've built and the partnerships that we have, I wanted to create something that I felt like could inspire the world. Granted, and, and going, even back to what I was just talking about is, again, allowing other people to be able to eat off of something that's bigger than me, because I believe that everything starts with a dream. And those of us who dare to dream while the rest of the world is settling for what society will tell us is our reality, we're the ones who stand to be trailblazers, change makers, and ultimately we make this world a better place. Mm. So a couple of years ago, when I was thinking about like, what do I want to do forever? Because real estate has always, and I tell this to people, real estate has always been my what and my how, but it's not been my why. Right. Mm. It's what I've done and how I've made my income and how I've gotten my family to this point now. But it's not been why I get up every morning. Why I get up every morning is because I do want to use my experiences to inspire someone else to go out there and try to create a life by their design. And so for me, yes, I do own multiple companies now. And and one of the ones that I always love to talk about, even though, you know, it's probably the one that I'm least active in is the daycare center um, that my wife and I own. And the reason why is because what this was 17 months ago. Now, keep in mind to give you a little bit of background on this. My wife comes from no entrepreneurship at all. Family, nothing like her mom and dad have worked the same job for like 35 years, uh, small town Sioux City. So it's like, didn't come from that. But she was always seeing me trying my hand at so many different things, which is, we're not going to go back into all of that. But mm-hmm. I'll probably tell you, I've tried, I've probably had about 20, 21 different jobs. I mean, I played poker for a living for two years. I've done a lot of different things. Well, wow. anyway, my wife, um, this was, and this is how, you know, our creator, the energy, the attraction, everything works. This was what, almost two years ago, I started going to conferences very heavy, right? I wanted the the power of proximity and association and two conferences that we booked out at the beginning of the year. Um, this was in we're 2019. First one was ClickFunnels, Funnel Hacking Live. And mm-hmm. the second one, like two weeks later, was uh, the 10X by Grant Cardone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was going to these anyway, but I decided I was going to buy another ticket and buy another plane. And I wanted Drew to come. Now, she's not, she's like the opposite of me. She's getting better at like empowerment. She's a great leader for her staff, but she just didn't come from that world. So it was all new to her. Well, so we went to these conferences and and I know some people when we're, you know, in those little small circles and just talking to people and they would say, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then it would get around to her and be like, so tell us what you do. And at the time she's working at a title company and she's like, oh, I work for a title company where you could tell that that wasn't the thing that like really lit her up and, and all these other things. Now, when we had lived Back in Sioux City, this was like 12 years ago. She did try to start up a daycare in our home, um, but we, we were using our friends and whatnot. And um, they 
basically they weren't paying on time, right? Because they were servers, bartenders. They're like, hey, my check wasn't, you know, enough, so I'll pay you next week. And we're like, wait, 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 this is not the way that this works. Like, we're trying to run a real business here. You got, I'm watching your kids, you got to pay. And so anyway, she got burned out on that really quickly. And so she just never went back to it. So I try to get her over the last like two years as I'm doing all these different things and real estate's going great. And she's like, she's having to miss, like she has to tell her boss if, you know, she wants to go to CJ's, uh, you know, thing where basically he's doing a choir thing, you know, in kindergarten or whatever. And she's like, hey, can I have this afternoon off? And they're like, no, we need you here. And she's like, okay, I don't like these feelings. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I'm like, you should do like copyright and you should do Facebook ads. You learn that skill set, you'll, you'll make a quarter million dollars easy. Mm -hmm. And so she, she just never did. She never wanted to do that. She had her blinders on. She knew what she wanted to do. And she always wanted to be around kids or health and things like that. So anyway, um, she wound up and she doesn't mind that I tell this story. So I'll share it, especially for all the women that's out there listening. Um, so anyway, we just had my daughter and she starts having pains and, uh, we wound up going to the doctor and they basically say, you know, you need to have your women parts out. Um, like basically immediately if you want to stop these pains. So then she schedules it. She then, you know, has the hysterectomy. And so she's devastated at this point. And the reason mm -hmm. being is because, you know, basically some involuntarily, she was told that she no longer could produce, you know, children. And that was, that was big for her because she comes from a big family. She wanted to produce, you know, all the, she wanted to have a lot more kids. I grew up as an only child. So anyway, we, um, she's out post six weeks, she's out of work. Um, and like week three, I go pick up our daughter from daycare, um, at the end of the day. And, and the owner at the time, she says, Hey, just you're Jada's dad. Right. And I say, yeah, she's like, just want to let you know at, in like three weeks at the end of this month, we're going to be closing down this location. We got two other locations. You're more than welcome to bring Jada to those, but we're going to be closing this one down. And so I'm like, oh, okay, well, thank you. And so I go home now, keep in mind to give you more context. We had already been looking at another daycare center probably about for the last six months, but it was a losing business. So our CPA and everything was like, I get it, Casanova, like, but I wouldn't necessarily try my hand on this one. Yeah. So we were like, oh, okay. And we just never pulled the trigger on it. So then when I get home and I tell Julie this, it's instantly like, uh, you think of what I'm thinking, but she's mm -hmm. scared. She's like, well, how are we going to get the money forward? Like, what are we going to do? All these other things. I'm like, let's just call up bankers. I got relationships. Let's just, let's, we're going to build a plane on the way of flying it. And so she doesn't know what to do. But within the next three weeks, we wound up getting that daycare center. We didn't take their, their center. We just took over their lease to give you perspective on this. Wow. And we grew that from zero to 70 kids in 15 months. Wow. Um, my digital marketing company, which I own, grew it and she did all of the in-house in stuff. Now we're building out our second location because we don't own the building at this one. We just own the business inside. And now because it's went so well, we're also building out our own where we're going to own the building and the business. This one should be open at the end of January. It's going to be a 11,000 square feet with capacity of 141 kids. Wow. And That's so amazing. I tell yeah, I tell that because I'm so proud of her, right? She didn't know what she was going to do. Like she didn't. She just she knew what was her gift? Her gift was working with kids. Her gift was patience. Her gift was just believing in herself. And that's what she did. And now she's, again, running two centers, you know, at the end of this year, most likely. And uh, it, it's just an amazing thing to watch. So I'm so proud of her. And when for me, it's always just, what can we do to, again, have more impact? Because at the end of the day, it's never about what you say. It's not even necessarily about who you say it to, but it's about how they feel 
once they see it, right? Mm-hmm. And so what you say, when I say that, like, it's it's the words that you say, but at the end of the day, it's the impact that you have on people. And that's what I always just try to build myself on. I have a lot of businesses, but it's always, again, about impact over income. And that's how my real estate business has grown. And that's how this daycare has grown. That's how so many other things that I have my hand in this media company. I have two podcasts. You know, I don't charge anybody for the podcast or any interviews or anything like that. I just try to make sure that at the end of the day, when I meet my maker, that I do everything that I could to inspire every person that they allowed me to come in contact with for the better. If so, I feel like I got to be led into the pearly gates. Mm, that's so good. I love that your passion is is not just, you know, building and leading a life of of impact and of relationship and of, you know, depth and meaning, but also then turning around and, you know, helping those around you, those, you know, starting a little bit later than you into the exact same thing and just, you know, handing it off to other people. I love that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The last thing I'll say about that, and I know we, I know, uh, I don't. I don't want to take too much time, but th- there's something that was that was told to me, and this was early on in my real estate career, and this really wraps up how I feel about all of this. But someone, there was a, a success. If you've ever heard of like Success Magazine, mm-hmm. um, there was a conference that was going on, and it was like Darren Hardy and Warren Buffett, and uh, somebody asked Warren Buffett. They said, "Hey, Warren, how did you know when you were successful in life?" And he says, and for anybody like Warren is is regarded as an atheist, like he doesn't talk afterlife. He's more a realist and and whatever have you. So anyway, he said, you'll never know when you've been successful in life until you die and you see how many people come to your funeral. And then everybody like, from what the story was, everybody's like, wow, like Warren talking about afterlife, like that's crazy. He says, but you'll never truly know how successful you've been in life until you die and you see how many of those people cry at your funeral Mm. because those are the people who you truly impacted their lives. And so that's the thing that I've always just tried to, you know, how can I really have impact to where people say, man, this world is not going to be the same without him. And I think that that's where I always just try to leave some type of, you know, meaning with whoever I come in contact with. Mm, I love that. Oh my gosh. Casanova, thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm just blown away. And I think your, your life story and just your career, you, your whole, honestly, your whole story is such a beautiful example of breaking generational ties in, in the best way. Like just because you were handed a sucky situation with a single family home and no father, like you have just grown up and just done such cool things. Even you saying like your, your family never owned anything, owned any businesses or land. Like I just see such beauty and your story of taking what was given to you and turning it around for something better. And I think that's so beautiful. So thank you so much for coming on our show, sharing your story and just being vulnerable and like chatting with us today. We're we're just honored. So for anybody that has listened to the show and is like, I love this dude. I want to know more about him. Where can everyone find you on the interwebs? Yeah. So I say you can find me all things Casanova Brooks. So C-A-S-A-N-O-V-A. Um, and then it's Brooks, B-R-O-O-K-S on Instagram. It's Casanova underscore Brooks. Everywhere else is just Casanova Brooks. Oh, Perfect. amazing. <laughs> Casanova, 
Dude, thank you for being here, for sharing so much of your story, of your heart, of your wisdom and your mindset with our listeners. We know that they're going to love this show. And we're just excited to continue to follow along on your journey and see how you change the world around you and leave a long-lasting impact because clearly you're already crushing that. So I know you're just going to keep doing bigger and better things too. I appreciate you both, ladies. Keep making the impact that you're making. And uh, I look forward to watching your growth and your journey as well. Ah, You're the best.